Welcome to NoClip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rivermans. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Kirby and the Forgotten Land, a game that was developed by HAL Laboratory, published by Nintendo, and was released in 2022 on the Switch. But first, if you can give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. <laughs> Kirby and the Forgotten Land is a 3D platformer, uh, which is at least reasonably unique for the Kirby franchise. It's, it is the first one of its kind uh, in the series. And that is, like, the big departure for it. Um, but I want to say, otherwise, it plays very similarly to especially the more recent Kirby games. Uh, especially in terms of combat and level progression and things like that. Yeah, like I, I, I watched the reveal trailer for this, but didn't really follow it or think about it much after that. I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, that looks cool. I'll probably play that. Um, and I didn't know if it was gonna be more of like a full-on 3D platformer, like a Mario Odyssey or something. Uh, and it ended up being a little bit more towards like the corridor platformer side of things, kind of like a Crash Bandicoot or like a 3D World or things like that. Yeah. Um, it even starts the exact same way that Crash 4 does, where the first level starts on a beach. It's like the exact same thing, which I thought was amusing. I would have never known that because yeah. I've I've not even played Crash 2. <laughs> I've played one Crash game in my life, mm-hmm. uh, and therefore that wasn't the thing that I immediately went to, but 3D World absolutely was. Yeah, or the original Sly Cooper is another Fair enough. Uh, yeah. game like that. But, like, to me, it feels so very similar uh, in a way that I, I kind of was not expecting. Uh, playing this game and playing 3D World, with the difference being 3D World has obviously a lot more focus on actual platforming. Whereas Kirby, traditionally, and I mean, I assume that you played this game on wild mode, yeah, instead of baby mode, yeah, like whatever they, it's like mild mode, spring breeze mode, <laughs> or something like that. It is that. It is like the easy breezy, beautiful Little cover girl, girl mode, uh, <laughs> and it like, but even taking into account the harder difficulty level that this game comes packaged with Kirby is a franchise that is geared toward a younger audience mostly speaking um and (laughs) so this game has no platforming that is like there's nothing that when you fall you just die and in order to fall you have to actively not even try to save yourself not saying that it doesn't happen uh, but you have the ability to jump and hover uh, like you do in other Kirby games. Uh, that was a design decision made specifically to make the platforming easier for people who aren't used to games. Um, and so that's all still here. And to me, it was really interesting to see how this game functions as a platformer, as a as an action-adventure game. Uh, with the idea of, like, maybe this isn't being played by children, uh, because most of the games in the franchise, especially more recently, have absolutely had that focus. Like, this is an easier game. Don't expect to, like, die a whole lot. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like the platforming seems so de-emphasized to me. Like it, it it's something that really stood out. Like there aren't really a lot of platforms. No. <laughs> um it, there's like a it's something I actually kind of like about the game is the levels feel like they have like a cohesiveness to them. Um but yeah, like platforms will be like ledges with you know it's like a kind of like a post-apocalyptic city kind of thing going on mm-hmm. so there's to be like chunks of the building has fallen away and you have to jump between the spots but like yeah it f- focuses a lot more on like the copy abilities and like the combat and stuff yeah and the copy abilities are given i mean i played uh star allies recently and so that's like the most recent not to this Kirby game that I've played. I, I guess I played like 15 minutes of that weird uh, on multiplayer oh, game. Yeah. The ba- Banquet Bash. I don't know what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the copy abilities in this game, you can see them trying to emphasize the movement aspects of them in order to give them more to do in this environment. Uh, not that it is so wildly different than the previous environments. Uh, it's just given the 3D space, it's given a lot more room to sort of like, this one makes you move real fast. And if you catch enemies, you can keep moving with them. And like the whirlwind thing moves you in a straight line over empty air. Uh, and it's used to sort of set up these like little puzzles or far more often optional little mini games and things to do. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, to, um, to to go back to your original point about it, like, most Kirby games being aimed at a younger audience and being easier, that, something that stood out to me about the beginning of this game is, like, I, I, I haven't played many Kirby games. Uh, this is the only, this is the second one I've ever beaten. <laughs> um, and But I've always kind of, like, thought of them that way as being, like, kind of like introductory games, like, very much designed for kids. Uh, and something that I thought about early on in this game is it would be a really good game to, like, give to a kid if you wanted them to, like, like kind of learn about how, like, games are, like, set up and, like, how they hide secrets. Because, like, in the beginning, I feel like it very clearly leads you to, like, the hidden Waddle Dees. And it was just like, oh, this is, like, I feel like a game that would really teach kids how, like, to, like, really dig into and explore a game because it like makes it all so obvious in the first like set of levels like in the first world yeah and i think that even beyond that like i i I think and i I do want to talk about level design just as a broad topic uh coming off of that um but i i do i actually think that like the games not only are built with the idea that kids will play it in mind, but they also build it with the idea that kids don't often finish games. So you see those first couple of levels where everything is very streamlined. And I feel like there's a very steep drop off at like the third level where it just most of the really handholdy stuff is kind of gone. Mm-hmm. And it it's sort of that's how the rest of the game plays essentially is you end up with these levels where the secrets are actually something that i didn't find every single one of easily with Mm -hmm. no effort like i did in the first couple of worlds um and it, it proceeds like that and i felt like it was sort of it was almost kind of stagnant i didn't feel like the game got progressively harder after that it just kind of shifted into a slightly more differenter game yeah I would agree with that. Yeah. But 
I will say that I feel like the design of this game, a lot of the elements of this game feel very classic video games kind of stuff, uh, more so than maybe I was expecting. I, I don't necessarily want or expect Kirby to be the series that Nintendo has that makes leaps and bounds into new worlds of design. Mm -hmm. That's just not really its intent uh, at all. But I do feel like this game is... <laughs> it's like it uses a lot of the same stuff that I've seen other places. And when you were talking about Crash earlier is what made me kind of like realize what it was. It's just I played 3D World recently, and this game looks and feels a lot like that. It's separated into levels... Uh, even though, like, if you look at the trailer, it has this, like, very grand scope. And yeah. that level setup really makes the, it shrink back down into <laughs> a scope that, like, you're very familiar with. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know. I feel like I wanted this game to go a little bit further and do a little bit more than it ended up doing, just in terms of its presentation. Yeah, I, I agree with that. One of the things about Kirby for me like I've never really been into the series and I think it's because uh like on the surface they all look kind of generic to me okay um I I don't know if that's true once you really get into them because I've not played many of them but like I see a trailer for one and it just kind of looks like Kirby running on like some blocks like I don't know it just kind of <laughs> looks like nothing to me mm. um and the trailer for this game made it like look like it had so many more elements that were like towards my sensibilities like it seemed like an exciting cool fun game like it felt creative or something and i guess in the way that the presentation doesn't usually feel to me with kirby but uh yeah so yeah go going into it i was a little bit disappointed that it was a corridor platformer for the most part mm -hmm. um but like it did i settled into it pretty quickly i guess i wasn't really surprised um and the game to me and i want to know if you agree with this gave me like really big gamecube vibes i don't know if it's because it it has a similar kind of color palette to like mario sunshine maybe or if it's the fact the 3d world connection or if it's made me think of mario again or i don't know i don't know exactly what it was yeah i i mean i get that i think the, uh, the thing that immediately springs to mind is a lot of the things in the game are made of cubes. <laughs> it, <laughs> it has like an almost not, it doesn't look like it is a voxel game, mm -hmm. right? But it does, it is a game that heavily emphasizes square units. They're all over the place. Yeah. Uh, like, and there's like eight different kinds of one square blocks. And it's it, so that, that honestly, like, obviously I'm joking about that being what reminds me of the GameCube <laughs> uh -huh. because the GameCube has the word cube in it. But also it does feel like it's harking back to that like lower poly kind of experience. Like this game, I think looks really good um, from like its aesthetic perspective presentation yeah, like perspective the art direction yeah but it's nothing that's like groundbreaking in terms of, of visuals and i think that it is something about that aesthetic that makes you think back to those days yeah i think the ui as well mm. i think a lot of games that uh sakurai is attached to tend to use that kind of smash brothers looking ui yeah. which i think kind of got established on in melee <laughs> so 
Yeah. That might also be part of it. Also, uh, the GameCube is where Kirby's best game, Kirby's Air Ride, <laughs> uh, was released. And uh, that game also has a similar menu system. Uh, it, well, system, look. Like, the style of the menu is similar. Mm-hmm. And makes similar sounds and noises. Uh, so that's all very exciting. Um, we mentioned a little, like, a, a a second ago that a lot of Kirby games feel very generic to you looking in from the outside. Mm-hmm. And if somebody's played a ton of Kirby games because of a sort of nostalgic attachment that I have to the series, the Kirby and Pokemon timelines are dangerously <laughs> converging because, generally speaking, the differentiating factor between the different Kirby games is just, like, a particular gimmick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we saw this with, like, the Yoshi series as well. They did, like, Yarn Yoshi. Whoa. Yeah. Well, and same thing. Kirby had epic yarn. On yeah, the and they were well. like, well, we'll do Yarn <laughs> K- Kirby Yeah, Wooly, Wooly Yoshi? Well, uh... <laughs> I guess. So they had like that, and then there was the the DS one that was a claymation thing. Oh, and it also yeah. had Rainbow Curse Rainbow or Curse. Canvas Curse, whichever. They're both like the same yeah. concept, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then like Robobots thing was the, the mechs. And like hypothetically speaking, uh, the gimmick for this game is mouthful mode, mm. which we can talk about mouthful mode in a, in excess later. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to it. <laughs> uh, but, like, I think the thing that steals the show in Kirby and the Forgotten Land is, well, one, the explicit setting of this game on Earth, uh, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, two, the fact that it is 3D uh, in a way that even, like, Kirby 64 was not. Um which Kirby 64's gimmick, I, I don't want to talk too much about this. Yeah. Kirby 64's gimmick was that you could combine copy abilities, so you could get, like, the electric ability, and then it would shoot lightning bolts, and you'd get the cold ability, and it would shoot, like, freezy bolts. Right. And if you combined them, then you became a fridge, and you shot <laughs> uh, roast chicken at people. Uh, and it was great, and that was... To me, that still is the most fun concept, mm-hmm. and I'm surprised that it hasn't made it back yet. Uh, that's all. I just had to say <laughs> that, because uh, it hurts me. Um, but yeah, the fact that this is a 3D game that you can move in all the directions based on your controller that you have with an analog stick, mm-hmm. uh, it ends up kind of stealing the show away from mouthful mode a little bit. Uh, and I think it's maybe what led to that initial sense of like disappointment where you see that it's levels and you see that it's more corridor based. Yeah. <laughs> we got it. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that it, and I don't know about the other Kirby games once again, but like it just, it feels more creative to me, at least on its, on its face. Like when you look at it, um, like from a trailer, you get like a sense of it, I guess. Um, like just like the concept of like he gets sucked into another world and it's like a uh like a ruined city feels different for Kirby and then like you get into later worlds there's like the cool icy city area and like you know like the fun house level and stuff like I don't know there's a lot of just if that was one of the things that stood out to me is like one of the best parts of the game is it just felt really like creatively like there's some simple like as you said like classic video game theming for levels but i just think they handled them really well in a way that i liked 
And I like that the the different areas seem to have a different relationship with the copy abilities as well. Like in the fire areas, if you have the ice thing, you can skate over pools of lava. Uh, and that's it. And that's the only one. <laughs> well, same thing with the um, the water, like the beach uh, world like you can skate on the water too that's true and also things like the ice can put out bur- like f- fires burning mm-hmm. logs mostly uh there, there's like a uh there's an association between like the thing their lanterns and some that you can light up with the the fire abilities uh just like general things where once you have a copy ability you can actually sort of like that nobody probably has ever even thought about doing this but hypothetically, you could look at the place you're in and make a plan and go get a copy ability that will work best in that level. And you'll pr- you would probably be rewarded for doing that. Yeah, I've, it, to, from my perspective uh, or my observation, uh, that copy ability was usually in the level already, though. Yes. Like the one that would work best <laughs> with it. Because like I actually thought that was really smart. Um, especially what are, I know they're called rift levels in a hat in time. What are like the special levels in this called? They're called treasure road. Treasure road. That's it. I thought the treasure road levels and that kind of like designing levels um, around certain abilities mm. um, was clever because like I could easily see myself like favoring one. And, like, always going back to Waddle D Town and, like, getting it at the upgrade shop and, like, always using it. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it, it keeps you switching between them and, like, learning all of them really organically. So, like, I ended up just falling into the habit of just picking up whatever was there. And there were times where, like, I would just, like, kind of forget. Like, I would run past an enemy and just kill it uh-huh. and be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I could have inhaled them and gotten the ability, and I just didn't think about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I how the game kind of, like, organically got me in the habit of playing it the way they want me to. Um, I, I thought that, once again, was, like, was well-designed in yeah. a way. that I don't know if, if that came about because they were, like, designing it for a younger audience uh, like they had to try and make it like organic, uh, to like play it the way that they want it to be played. I guess. Yeah. If that makes sense. I mean, I think that the, it, it's kind of like when you talk about level design, a lot of the time you say like, oh, <laughs> I don't know if we say it. Some people would say <laughs> like, oh, this game did a really good job of guiding me to the goal, or like having me follow a path by using these visual or audio cues or something. Like the Mega Man X tutorial that everyone talks about. Yes, that has yeah, been like, talked about today. Yeah, the invisible tutorial <laughs> thing. Mm-hmm. And then in this game, because of it, because it, you can't get lost in these levels, the the camera itself is mostly fixed. Uh, and will move with you to the places you need to go. The instead, what it does is it it guides you through, like you said, the use of enemies. Like this type of enemy will show up, indicating that maybe you'll want to use its ability in the level in order to find secrets. And so it gets to use it gets to flex its its level design muscle in the way that it it shows you its its secret stuff, and ignoring it will just blast you through to the end of the level uh it's like a slightly different kind of design because it's allowed to be more subtle just placing a bomb guy hanging out around 
is way different than indicating that you need to go to whatever Hyrule field to figure your shit out. Yeah, it 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 is kind of uh, interesting to think about, like how different it feels than like a question mark block in a Mario game. Mm. Like the fact that their enemies might like lead you to like not notice it uh, or just kill it, like I said, or like. Or if you're, like, a more skilled player or you want to do a challenge run or whatever, you can, like, more easily, like, run by that stuff and ignore it mm-hmm. and not feel like you're leaving behind power-ups and stuff. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, because, like, in this game, any enemy can become your power-up. It's it's the weapon that you're using, whereas you are going to check every single question mark block in a Mario game. It's just got a lot more baggage to it. Yeah. And this game gets away with using things like treasure chests, which only come up every once in a while, and so they still feel exciting and rewarding when they do show up. Uh, Unlike, nobody gets, like, nobody wets their pants over there being an extra question mark block in a Mario game. Mm -hmm. Just isn't a thing. Uh, So I did um, (laughs) fall into a bit of a groove uh, with uh, a particular copy power in this game, mm-hmm. uh, and it was Space Ranger. <laughs> Space Ranger? Which one is that? Space Ranger! Uh, it's the third gun power uh. that turns your gun into a, a ray gun, and when you <laughs> charge it up, it shoots this projectile that explodes and just deals damage in an area. Mm-hmm. I never got that one. Oh boy, you're missing out. And by that, I mean, you probably had a better time than me. Uh, (laughs) It's what I would end up using for bosses and stuff Mm. because uh, of reasons. It's not really that important. What I mean to do by bringing it up is just saying how much better. I feel like I need to actually go into this from a different angle. Uh This game, as I mentioned, is pretty easy up until the third level and then it's still really easy but it's easy in a different way and the secrets and stuff are harder to find like you said you missed the best power up in the whole game space (laughs) ranger uh (laughs) um and so that is pretty par for the course um but however what is becoming more common with nintendo games recently after you finish the game there's a bonus level uh and is uh, considerably harder, I would say. Uh, I died in them mm-hmm. at least like a couple of times. One time it was intentionally because I, I fucked something up, wanted to go back to the checkpoint. But, uh, and I think that the additional difficulty is what actually made me fall into that groove. I think that part of the the reason that you don't fall into a groove is because the game doesn't push you to the point where you feel like you need to rely on old faithful, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, that's also a part of the design. Like it's something they don't want it to be a stressful game. And so you can pick up whatever, like I don't feel going in with no copy ability into a level is not something where I'm like, Oh, this is a cheeky, like challenging start to this level. Like it would be in maybe some other games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I did a similar thing like on the the what are they the forgo levels or whatever. Yeah. Um I did for every boss fight I picked the storm tornado. Oh. Power up. That was my favorite one because it lets you move, dodge and attack all at the same time. 
Um, so I, that by my estimation, that was the best power up in the game. Um, but, uh, yeah, I used it for every boss fight. So I did fall into that habit, but that... tried to like cycle, still cycle through them in the, in the levels. That's interesting because that's actually the one power up that I did not get the third level for. Yeah, uh, I didn't either. I just had a second level. Oh, damn. You were just yeah. all... I hated the tournament. I never Oh, really? It. I felt like I couldn't control it as well. You have to kind of move much like a tornado, like, in circles. Fair, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I really liked it. Because, once, like I said, you could move, attack, and dodge all at the same time. Yeah, Like, you could just kind of just go around the boss a lot in, like avoid getting hit and keep attacking them you could also run away from them and it would like leaves behind little like lightning clouds and if they walk into them it hurts them still Ah. so like it it was just really good that sounds pretty good yeah the space gun uh i counted this with a uh with my well with my brain so this might not be the most accurate uh it takes five seconds to charge (laughs) Uh, and that's what I liked about it because you would have to find an opening mm-hmm. and then you, but you would get rewarded hugely for doing it. Uh, and because it's a Kirby game, it didn't take me long to learn the patterns <laughs> of the bosses. Yeah. Um, and so like the regular Ranger gun, I always hated like the little pop gun thing. Yeah. Um, like the, the prospector or whatever the second level is. Yeah. The, the noble Ranger. Yeah. Uh, he wears with a the big weird hat. hat. <laughs> But Space Ranger to me was just was perfect. I thought uh, the reward for charging it all the way up and getting the big thing was basically that anything that was caught in it would slow down, mm. and so that would usually allow you to get more shots off. Uh, but it was I don't know it was a fun back and forth. But I, I like that you called out the the whirlwind one is the one that you like because my impression going through the game was why would you ever use a close ranged. Mm. copyability because the the distant ones seem like they are just so much more utilitarian yeah um but maybe you felt the opposite way now i think before i unlocked the storm version of the twister one i didn't like it at all like the just the (laughs) vanilla one Mm -hmm. because it was really just a movement thing for the most part um and i favored the like the dragon fire one because once again you can shoot the fire, and then it can just stay there and keep a- damaging the That the is boss. true, yeah. I liked those abilities, I guess. Ones that would leave behind an effect that would keep hurting the boss. Yeah. I also liked... I, I never... I don't like using the ability, but I like the concept with the freeze ability mm. when you're fighting a, a boss enemy. It uses... You have to completely freeze them, and then it does like a big amount of damage all at once like a big burst but the actual attack does like dog shit damage that <laughs> yeah. doesn't do anything so it requires you to be like very persistent like stick on them mm-hmm. uh this is a lot of strategy talk for a game where the bosses <laughs> did not require that much strategy but uh it was interesting to take different things into the different boss fights like did you do the the second coliseum battle nope okay <laughs> Uh, it, it, that's the kind of thing, like, I did the first one when it unlocked, and mm. it's the kind of thing I would like to do, like, post-game, but I wanted to beat this game, because we're doing it for the podcast, right. so I just moved on, <laughs> and did not really engage. Yeah. That actually is wild to me, because the thing it unlocks is a, a hammer upgrade that gives you, mm. like, it gives the hammer fire properties. Uh, 
and it was real good in those those lost levels mm. in those uh star roads uh but anyway yeah if you go if you go into that you have a lot more choices to like what you're going to fight the bosses with or I should say a lot less choice. There's just a lot more bosses in a row. Mm -hmm. And so you'll end up fighting them with a much wider variety of things than you do just in a regular game. Uh, So I got to experiment with a lot of things that I wouldn't normally have done. Uh, What do you think of, speaking of the Coliseum, what do you think of Waddle D Town? Oh, Waddle D Town is fucking my stomping grounds. (laughs) I love Waddle D Town. Uh, This game just has a lot of stuff in it. Uh, which adds a lot of longevity to the game itself. And I found that Waddle D Town made a lot of the what would normally be kind of boring action of getting things and taking them places to be weirdly motivating. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir. Uh, I am known huge proponent of hub worlds mm-hmm. and areas, even if they're small, like this one. Um yeah, I, I I just think it adds so much. Like it's it feels like you're over exaggerating. At least I always feel like I'm over exaggerating when I talk about the value of it. Mm. Um, even though no one is a call- trying to call me out on anything, um, but, I do. Uh, but it's behind your back. <laughs> but uh, I've talked about this on Shovel Knight. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like the little town added a lot to the game, and it's no different here. Um, yeah, like collecting the little uh gachapon figures it does add a little motivation to it when you can display them in the house as dumb as that might sound um having something like a place to display them like just i don't know i think it adds like a fun uh little layer of i don't know if it's like self-expression or interactivity just yeah like an extra layer like something that's nice to have yeah yeah, I mean, and it's interesting because, like, in this game, I was I was less motivated by, I have, a, I guess, a brief explanation to give. Uh, I was less motivated to collect the Gashapon things because you could display them in your house. Mm-hmm. Um, and one, it's because I am just a collector person. That's part of just my personality. Mm-hmm. And so just filling up the little screens was exciting for me. Um, but then also I did forget that your house was a thing Mm. because I started this game when it came out and then didn't play it for a long time. And then I didn't go back and replay the first couple of worlds first. I think one literally one world I think is what I finished. Um, but that means that I've now skipped the Waddle D town explainer. And Mm -hmm. so I did not have that available to me. Uh, but seeing Waddle D town sort of like, come up you know like you as you get more uh of the waddle d's that you collect it starts to build new buildings which opens up little mini games uh did you play tilt kirby i i did the first uh version of it the first like the first the introductory thing you didn't and then i didn't go back to it okay (laughs) When you do all three of them, uh-huh. it unlocks extra hard mode. And the third one had me pulling my hair out. <laughs> this is, it is, I don't know why I played it. And it was like a thing where we're recording this a day later than we normally would be. And it's because one day that I was playing this game, I was like, I probably shouldn't have spent 
45 <laughs> minutes playing the Kirby tilt game because I hated it. I hated every second of it, but I just could not finish it. But it's got, like, the the fishing mini game, which mm-hmm. is really, like, I, I don't know. It's cute. It's funny. I liked it, but, like, it's it doesn't have a lot of depth. Mm-hmm. Like, the Tilt and Kirby really has the depth. The fishing mini game does not. The there's the Waluigi taco, taco stand. stand. Yep. Uh, this is there's a, there are real games <laughs> that have these mechanics, but we did play a game on uh, Dreams. Fucking, no, Game Builder Garage. Oh god, it was Game Builder Garage. Yeah, <laughs> that somebody made. That was a, a Waluigi. It, it's the Waddle Dee like cafe mm-hmm. mini game that we're talking about. That has a little bit of depth to it, but like you knock those the easy hard modes out, you go, all right, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I've finished this. You cannot order too many things for me. God damn it. <laughs> so I like that the mini games had a, a variety of levels of depth. I feel like the Kirby games, especially after 64, and arguably earlier in mm-hmm. like Superstar Saga, got... Uh, a reputation for having mini games and it is cursed to them uh <laughs> going forward so they always have to jam in these half-assed little mini games mm-hmm. uh and this game isn't really different but also because they've set it in a town this mechanic that i'm usually like you didn't have to put in these half-assed mini games <laughs> i like it better because i earned it you mm-hmm. know they're all really relaxed too <laughs> <laughs> Don't you play extra hard Tilton Kirby because that's not relaxing at all. Yeah, I I, I didn't uh, engage as much with the Waddle D Town just because I was playing this like you know for the podcast. But mm. yeah, I I like there was a lot of stuff in the game that would keep me playing this if I was playing it just for fun. Um, like even something like the the hidden Waddle D's in the levels. Like I didn't miss so many that like. I feel like if I was just playing this for fun, I would have gone back and tried to actually get all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like it just it's a it's a pleasant game to spend time in, and I think a lot of those elements, especially in Waddle D Town, like are are something to like put like extra time into. Like it's just you want to keep playing this game, I think, and that all kind of factors into it. Yeah, like the and we'll we'll talk about this a little bit more in depth later but the the place where i ended up stopping the game is after the the i guess the second ending mm-hmm. uh and like it does it says right now that i have like 84 percent completion of the game and when i think about what would be required to get 100 percent completion my desire to play the game goes completely out the window mm-hmm. but just playing the game and not thinking about it i am compelled to go and like I'll clear up the shit I missed in the levels and uh, I'll grab, I'll run through the Coliseum again, make sure that I upgrade all of my weapons and stuff. Um, Would you unlock the ability to make your weapons deal more damage? I don't know where you're supposed to be getting these fucking rare stones from. Mm -hmm. I'm out. I ran out of them. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I I only upgraded everything to level two because I just ran out of fucking rare stones. Yeah, it gets. It gets they get tight, you know. Yeah, it's like the first like 
three-fourths or more of the game, it was just always I walked in and didn't even think about how many coins or uh, stones I had. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, you're out. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. God, I had the exact same fucking experience. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I didn't even consider... I, I was like, oh, they'll just give me enough for stones to upgrade everything without even thinking about it. And then I was like, what do you mean I have three blueprints? <laughs> there ain't no way I got three blueprints. There's, I don't have anywhere near that many stones. <laughs> and the third level takes three stones? Get the fuck out of here. Do you want to talk about our actual like experience with the game mm-hmm. and how we played it and also the content that is inside of it as sort of a collective part of the podcast, like a half. Mm-hmm. And we do that after, after the, the break. break. Man. I don't know if it was your intention, but I was really confused of whether or not that's what you were doing that whole time until you said, into a half. Uh, It was kind of my intention (laughs) to make it very dumb and bad. Okay. Welcome back. Um, if there's two things, if, if there are two things that if you ask somebody who is not a Kirby fan, but is like into video games, mm-hmm. what they know about Kirby, they're either going to tell you the theme song to the Kirby cartoon, where it's like, first you draw a circle, then you draw the eyes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they're going to say... The Kirby lore, in big quotes, is, like, way dark and fucked up. Or that Kirby is, like, a a, a universe-level superpower. (laughs) And that it's this crazy, wild Mm. thing that feels so out of place in the game. I would have thought that people would say that he, like, floats or eats people. (laughs) I'm assuming that most people (laughs) know those things. If you want to go a little bit further. Uh-huh. Uh, and so you've played, like you said, two Kirby games to completion. Uh-huh. And the first one was fucking Kirby's Dreamland. Yep. The very first one where he beats a penguin. Yes. Uh, and it doesn't really give a, a glimpse into his uh, cosmic abilities. Yeah, and then I played a bit of... Uh, Crystal Shards and Kirby's Epic Yarn. Okay, but you did not finish Did not beat either of those. Okay, so this being your first (laughs) experience with Kirby versus a truly galactic level threat. Uh Uh-huh. What did you think? Did you feel like it was out of place? Uh, I was was braced for it, because I know I watched you play the final boss of uh, Star Allies. Oh, yeah, you go inside of a big thing and fucking beat up its heart. Yeah. That's a wild one. Um, but the answer is yes, I do feel like it feels out of place. (laughs) Okay. Um, it makes me feel like I just don't get it, maybe. Like, Mm. I don't get what, like, the angle is, because, like, I feel like Kirby very clearly feels like one thing, like a cute little guy who does his little copy abilities, and he, uh, you know, just 
makes his way through the world doing whatever he's trying to accomplish and he's fighting the bosses and whatever. Then it just feels like out of nowhere, it's like some kind of God just comes into the picture. Like, like, do the developers, like, I just wonder, like, the people making these games, like, do they think it's funny? Like, do they think it's cool? Do they, I, I just, I don't get what the angle or lack of angle is with it because it does feel out of place to me yeah so that is my impression is your first guess i think that they think it is funny Mm -hmm. i think that the juxtaposition of kirby who is a character who barely has any i mean there's a lot of design to kirby but the end result is an incredibly simplistic thing like Kirby is successful because Kirby's design is successful in appealing to people. Mm-hmm. But if you asked any random Joe on the street, they would probably just be like, yeah, any nine year old could have come up with that concept. <laughs> Game designing is more like babies. Uh, more like lame design. More like lame <laughs> designers. Uh, <laughs> and so. You end up with this situation where you take the little purple, or little pink circle, and they then put them in this like outlandishly uh, over the top scenario. In this game, you end the game by by doing a mouthful mode on a big semi truck and driving it over a collapsing bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like it conceptually, and I do think it is because it is funny. <laughs> Uh, but it is, as you said, it does always seem like it just hits the fucking brakes. Like this game has like a final boss that makes sense, right? Yeah. The lion guy. Exactly. Yeah. And then you fight the lion guy in the form of a hallway and then he becomes this other thing, uh, that you fucking drive a big semi truck into and dr- throw yeah, it into another universe. He becomes god of the Neopets. <laughs> yeah, I was actually this game's uh final boss is actually cuter than I think most Kirby. This like this one feels the least out of place cuz it at least feels like a Kirby character. Yeah. And all the other ones always just feel like they pulled some kind of Lovecraftian beast. Well, yeah, you have the, like, uh, like, what is he called? Zordon from Power Rangers or whatever. Or, like, the MCP from Tron. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a big face uh, that merges with your little blue Neopet companion. Yeah. And then they become, like, a weird, uh, like, butterfly-winged alien thing. Uh, so, yeah, it's like you took the Eldritch horror final boss alien and m- meshed it with a Kirby character. Yeah, with a cute for, Kirby. For a middle ground. Yeah. <laughs> I also uh, was... This is another... I don't know if I'm getting off topic here. I am, so mm-hmm. I'll come back to it. <laughs> it's alright. Uh, <laughs> drive that semi-truck off the road. Yeah, it's going way off the rails. Um, <laughs> but if you look at things like... Like, if you had finished Kirby 64... Uh, the final boss of that is not even, like, recognizably humanoid in any way. It doesn't look like any uh, fucking rock, vegetable, mineral, animal <laughs> that exists in, in the world. It is like a... we. It's like an unknown, sort mm-hmm. of. Like, where it's just sort of a shape with a big eyeball. And it's like a white thing that flies around. Uh, and you shoot at it <laughs> with a paintbrush. Uh, it's pretty strange. But the... 
it's like this one it feels like they've steered more in the direction of it making more sense Mm -hmm. uh and i don't know i think i kind of appreciated it here i think that it felt better it felt less like an abrupt change but if that wasn't your experience, it's probably just me having more experience with the franchise. Sure. I, I feel like it felt like less of an abrupt change that it could have been. But like I think you highlighted um uh like what makes it feel weird is that like you have like whatever his name is, Lion Man. Yes. Um I just want to call him Lion O. Um <laughs> His name is apparently just Leon. Oh, okay, Leon. Yeah. That's easy to remember. Uh, you have Leon, who's, like, built up to be the final boss. He even has, like, a two-phase boss fight. Yep. Um, and then the, like, the floating uh, Zordon face <laughs> it just kind of, like, just comes in, you know, like, at the last minute. Like, that's the thing about it that feels weird. But, like, I do agree. It feels more, like, at place in this because, like, just, like, the minimal setup the game has. Like, you've come through... Uh, like a dimension to like another world that's like in ruins for unknown reasons to you and yeah. some kind of weird alien head uh <laughs> seems like good enough of an explanation as like an evil force that fucked up the world or whatever yeah <laughs> and again it, it does like it ties into the story and i, I feel like it it usually does it, it's usually the big bad uh, that's set up pretty early, but it's always like takes a weird form in in mm-hmm. uh, Star Allies. The way that they do it is like your big bad is like a wizard, and you stop the wizard, or you try to stop the wizard, but you're too late, and he summons a thing that's coming to end the universe, and then you have to fight that thing. So yeah. they they manage to sneak it in <laughs> and drop it on you where you don't expect it again. Yeah, I just feel like a little bit of like foreshadowing or setup would go a long way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, and this actually, now I can tie into what I was going to say before. Uh, Elphalin, Ephelin, I don't know. Is that the blue guy? The blue guy. Okay, yeah. That hangs out with you, uh, with the big ears, um, is a character in the game? In the loosest sense of the word character. Yeah, like a companion. Yeah, it's like a companion who doesn't do anything and barely says anything. <laughs> uh, and just kind of is around. Um, but because I forgot to how the game begins, I forgot that Bandana Waddle Dee is the co-op character. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that character was going to be like the, uh, you, you know, like the plug in a second controller you can shoot some star bits <laughs> yeah co-op character i forgot that this has like actual two-player regular old co-op uh and so when when she gets kidnapped midway through the game i was like oh well we'll find him immediately right because that you need it for the two-player mode but that isn't true and so it's just <laughs> she's just gone yeah for uh like a third or more of the game uh, and that would have been a good place for them to put in some foreshadowing about yeah. that. Because she just gets taken by DDD, and then they leave. And DDD, who, this is a game where nobody speaks, like, actual dialogue, and when they do, it's rare. Like, yeah. It doesn't happen often. Uh, DDD is evil again, but it's not really given any reason. He uh, He showed up 
in the world first mm-hmm. and the beast like pack corrupted yeah. yeah like took him in and like he's got feathers on him which yeah normally he's not depicted with feathers and i found this really weird because he is a penguin with do have feathers yeah <laughs> and so they show him being more feral by having feathers but they're like on his jacket i don't know it's a strange thing uh but he just takes her and runs and there's no, like, just gets the fuck out of there. And as far as I could tell, there was no indication that it, she was tied in any way to the final boss. Yeah. Uh, weird thing to fixate on, but do penguins have feathers? Or is it more of like a waterproof kind of like fur? My phone's over there. It's not important. It, I... They probably are technically <laughs> feathers, but... I'm reasonably certain... That they are te- at least technically feathers. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, that's another thing that feels kind of weird. It's like it feels like DDD is set up to be the main bad guy, and then Leon, and then uh, Zordon, <laughs> and then Zordon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And <laughs> then you got the even uh, what is his what Morpho Knight? Yes, Morpho Knight at the end of the secret levels. Which I am uncertain what that is, because it just is a butterfly that rolls in and lands on the thing. Mm-hmm. We see in the scenario where... But it like looks like Meta Knight, so yeah. there's got to be a connection to that. Or so... there's gotta, I say. You would think there would be a connection. There were a series of knights in uh, one of the games included in Superstar Saga. Mm-hmm. But I cannot remember all of their names. Maybe Morpho Knight was one of them. Mm. I don't know. I know there was a Galacta Knight. <laughs> That's one. Uh-huh. And then there's Meta Knight. And then there are probably at least two other knights. Uh, one of those could be Morpho. Mm-hmm. But are any of them Thorpo Knights? <laughs> <laughs> that is, you're asking the right questions. Yeah, the official mascot of the Noclip podcast, Thorpo Fantasy, uh, is he included in... <laughs> Uh, the Kirby the, lore. Exactly. And is he a universe level threat? <laughs> do, you, do you even need to ask that question? He's a, he's a threat to this podcast's uh, existence. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, you want to talk about mouthful mode? Uh, yeah, let's talk about mouthful mode. <laughs> you remember when I talked about Gooigi? Uh-huh. And we were like, let's talk about Gooigi for a minute. Uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, I made some jokes. Uh-huh. And I said that it was a vile thing. <laughs> I don't feel like that about Mouthful Mode, except weirdly the car one. The car one makes me uncomfortable to look at because it's like that that dumb drawing where they're like, if you put a if you put uh, pants on a horse, would you, would they cover the this half or yeah, this half? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like Kirby that halved the car, and it, it makes me uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah, it didn't really bother me, um, but the the initial cutscene where they first show him, uh, like the pre-rendered cutscene of him sucking it in, is kind of gross. Yeah. Um, but other, like, in gameplay, it never really bothered me. Although I did, every time it was the light bulb one, I kept thinking about how that would be really hot. Oh, yeah. 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 But then, you know. I always thought about there was a a thing that people would tell you to 
I don't know. Somehow you would trick. So I thinking about this. I have what, no like idea. A light bulb? No, like you put a light bulb in your mouth because you can get the bulb part of the light bulb into your mouth, but then you can't pull it back oh. out because of the shape of it, and it would shatter, and then you have a mouthful of broken glass and tungsten. Mm. So that's what I was thinking about the that's, whole time. That seems like something that no kid's actually done to another kid since the 50s. Correct, <laughs> but it just, like, <laughs> sticks in your head. <laughs> or it's like the razor blades and Halloween candy thing, where it's just a thing that never has happened, yeah. <laughs> but people say talk about it like it did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it they are... Uh, it is introduced in a way that I think is cool, where you get that gross pre-render cutscene, um, and then you immediately jump into the car one, which is the most self-explanatory one, in my opinion. It's a car. It, yeah. c- you control it much like, like a car. A car. <laughs> uh, and so you get this understanding of like what the mo- mode... Mode is a weird word for it. Uh-huh. They're, like, they're power-ups. They're power-ups. Yeah, and more traditional, in a more traditional sense. Um, it, it, it felt a lot like the Kirby team played Mario Odyssey and was like, we should have different capture abilities. They were like, we always put hats on Kirby. What if Kirby was hat? Yeah. On, on a a different object. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I agree with that. I Mm -hmm. think that they probably did take some inspiration from that. Uh, I thought that it, it did a... (laughs) It's funny because I talked about this game feeling like it had very old or like classic game design principles. Mm-hmm. I think that mouthful mode is kind of an excuse to fall back on the classic. This there's a segment in this level we just talked about all-time classic greatest game of all time, Pac-Man 2: The New Adventures, and uh, how there's just the the Misty Peaks part. Yeah, where you're hang gliding. Now Kirby has an excuse to just have a hang gliding segment in the level. Yeah. Well, it felt another thing that made me think of, like, 3D World. Um, like, that's a game that has, like, a huge variety and different types of levels. Mm. Um, and this feels like they took things like that. You know, like, Mario will have, like, a slide level or whatever. Uh, or you jump on Plessy or whatever. And this game feels like it took, like, that kind of variety and kind of like scaled a few concepts down into one level like the level now has like a paragliding section you know the level has like a part where you you get the big ring and you go on the boat yeah <laughs> uh, you know it's like it, it made it like shrunk that kind of thing down uh to like a bite-sized level um and i i appreciated the variety i think it was implemented really well and like paced out well like they didn't show up too often and they uh, showed up, I felt like, just the right amount to me. Yeah. I think what ends up, after playing through the whole game, I think that the one that ends up being, like, my favorite is the light bulb one. Mm. Because I felt like they just did a lot with what that concept is. Uh, and I'm not a big fan of, like, low visibility as a mechanic. It's just yeah. never been my fucking thing. Um, but the light bulb thing, I like that they used a bunch of different ways of making that interesting. Um, and honestly, the same, like, I think the car is executed well, and I think that uh, the cone, cone mm. mouth Kirby, does a good job as well. Um, 
the ones that I end up not liking as much are things like the paraglider or the roller coaster, where they're in there really just for one little Yeah, segment. they're more gimmicky. Yeah. I really, Though I still think yeah. the paraglider is fun as shit yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah. Yeah. I like the vending machine. Yeah. Uh, they don't really use it in as creative of ways, but it's just satisfying to use. Oh, yeah. And I like that the soda can heal you. That's always fun. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think you caught out the right ones. Like, I like the part, there are levels with the car that you have to cheat on the course to get their, like, a the gold time, and I think that's fun. Yep. Uh, with little cheeky things like that. Like, you had to, like, jump over part of the course or whatever. Yeah, I think there was, uh, the, it may have been the first one that did it, I'm not really sure, had, like, all of these, like, pathways that, it was laid out like a Mario Kart level where they come up and around and they bridge over sections that you were previously on. And it was fun to do it and then go back and see that, like, oh, I was off by, like, 30 seconds, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And then see the course in a different way. Yeah. You're like, oh, I gotta do this crazy shit in order to take the shortcuts, in order to, to shave the time down and actually come in and get the gold placement. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Uh, did you do the challenge road the treasure road car one that was hard i should have written down the fucking name <laughs> there was one that i skipped and that might have been it was it in like the desert area yes i think yeah i did i think i gave up on it that was the hardest thing i've ever done in a kirby game i'm pretty yeah. sure like that took me like many many attempts to complete yeah uh, damn, it was tough. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't know what to expect from that point. Like, yeah, I that was the only one I skipped. Yeah, I did that, and then I was like, "Is this game about to like get thrasher <laughs> really hard? Like, yeah. what the fuck?" Uh, I did like one of the last uh, Treasure Road levels that used all of them. That's always good to see. There's a um, just a shout out to vending machine mouth Kirby. Mm. Uh, one of the, the star road levels has a segment where there's a vending machine that just has three cans. And so you have to like carry the cans to where you actually need to use them. And I thought that was a cool twist on it. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been, they kind of put nothing in your way to to do it, it yeah would be i mean cool you had to navigate were, like, the ice physics you have to yeah. navigate ice physics. well what i did is i got it and just immediately fired and all three of them before i even noticed there were only three yeah but luckily it respawns yeah i think honestly if they wanted to make the game not more fun yes a little bit harder but way more tedious so if they wanted to make a bad decision uh-huh. They should do away with the the respawning enemies as well, like the ones that like you need to to get oh, into secrets. Yeah. They do respawn, and I I would always be like, oh, it made me feel dumb for not recognizing that I needed them. Yeah, but then also I would have hated going back to the beginning to do it again just to get a, a waddledy or something. Yeah, I mean I don't think there's really a better solution I than agree. the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> And I also liked that the um, the the air blowing one had like multiple modes. So it's like you could just walk around with it mm-hmm. and attack stuff with it, and then it also was paired with the boat. I I thought that was fun that it had like more than one 
the use. Yeah. And honestly, I think the it's like a little bit more subtle, but I think like the cone mouth is done in a similar way because you can, they can use it to just make it hard to platform. Yeah. <laughs> Which they do multiple times. Uh, and then there's that level in the, in the mall where you get the different copy abilities and then you use the, you have to match the shape in order to oh, break the yeah. wall to get through to other things. It's not like it's a super engaging mechanic to match square to square, but it was yeah. an interesting way of using the the, uh, the yeah, mouthful no, mess. That really got me because the second one, there it was a circle hole in the wall, and for mm. some reason, like, I that didn't click in my head. I was like, I hear a Waddle D, but like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Uh, and then I eventually put two and two together, but I thought that was kind of, I don't know if that was intentional or not. Mm. Um, but yeah, like it took me a minute cause like a, a circular hole in a wall seems a lot less suspect for some reason. <laughs> well, it is than like a big triangle. Yeah. yeah. I do say, I want to say I do like the solution to that puzzle, which, uh, big spoilers solution to <laughs> one puzzle in a Kirby game. Uh, after you get a, a hammer power up, you can pop a clock out of the wall, and that's oh, what you yeah. use as the ring. Because uh, I noted the clock. I was like, that clock is suspiciously round. Yep. Uh, so I, I liked that there was like a solution to that that actually used something that you would have passed by and maybe not taken notice of and then come back to you later. Yeah. Uh, it, it felt like a good little micro puzzle design. <laughs> Um, do, do you have any, like, standout favorite levels? They blur a lot. Mm. But I think uh, all of my favorite levels are probably in, are just the end game five levels. Yeah. Uh, which is a big cheat. Because, one, <laughs> I like them because they, they put me more into the flow state. And, two, they literally use all the other levels. Yeah, I just link them all <laughs> together to one big one. Yeah. Uh, I would say the parade one. I like the parade one a lot, and the one in the ghost house. Yeah, yeah, uh, those are both uh, two of mine. So you, you... got them. <laughs> um, yeah, like the one where you had to like shoot the things with the vending machine, like a like it's a actual ride. I thought that was clever. That was great. Um, but uh, I, I also really liked the one that was like just the big bridge gauntlet. Oh yeah, mostly just because it was like a cool set piecey thing. Um, like aesthetically, like the camera angle is a little lower, so it made the bridge feel huge and mm. stuff. I thought that level was cool. Like, yeah, like late, later into the game, it felt like it had like some really cool set PC levels that I liked a lot. Yeah, a lot of the ones, especially in that, um, in those two areas, like in the the origin desert or whatever, and then the forbidden fire land. Uh huh. Lethal Lava Lethal Land. Lava Land. Uh, and Snow-Ass Peaks. Yeah. Um, were, were very set-piece focused. This game also loves a boss rush. Uh, Kirby games traditionally have always loved a boss rush, but they get a ton of mileage out of the, like, ten bosses they have. Yep. Uh, what do you think of the bosses? Um, you're a Kirby veteran, so I guess mm. I'll go first. Um, like, I really thought they were fairly solid. Uh, like they weren't like none of them were like amazing or anything, um, but I feel like a lot of pla- like the bar is so low, like platformers usually have like shit bosses, and I think the fact that this game has the copy abilities 
and like a kind of a focus on combat, they were able to like design around that in a way that you end up with like some solid, like fun fights. I thought. Uh, no, you're just right. Um, platformer bosses. We've talked about this like a hundred times, and by that I mean we do it every time that we talk about a platformer. Uh, you gotta recognize when it's not bad. <laughs> yep, you really do, and they are usually pretty bad. We talked about how this emphasizes the platforming as a game. Uh, and when it emphasizes the platforming, you end up with some great platforming bosses that are all about the platforming. Mm-hmm. This one does the opposite. This is like uh, like a Ratchet and Clank game where the focus is more on like what what way are you going to beat the boss? Because mm-hmm. most of them are just like big health pools, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the bosses at the beginning. And then I got real tired of fighting that bird. Yeah, yeah, that's the worst one. I hate that bird. It sucks. Uh, But then (laughs) all the other bosses I think are fine, Uh, like the mini boss type bosses. Uh, And I like that they all have like a trick that you can learn that'll Mm -hmm. make the fight easier. Uh, One of my favorite levels, there's like a sword level, one of the treasure roads that ends with a fight with two of, of the wild edge, the guy with the big sword that mm. the big around. Yeah. With sword. the big shield, the gigantic the tower. Knight. Yes. The tower knight. Uh, and like when you knock them over, like, cause they'll put the shield up and mm-hmm. if you run around, and hit them in the back, they'll fall down. Then they take more damage. You're able to just do that on both of them and then kill them both in one hit. And I was like, that was great. Like I learned, I took something that I learned and applied it in a situation where I was under time pressure in order to do better at this thing. Mm-hmm. And that's a cool thing that they all have. But they aren't, like, spectacular. Yeah. I think some They're of They're pretty the... standard stuff. Yeah, for sure. And also standard in the form of fucking Bonkers and Frosty are just characters from Kirby that they've ported in again. Yeah. Uh, some of the story bosses, though, I think are actually super cool. Like the Silly Dillo. <laughs> Unlike Silly Dillo. <laughs> silly Dillo is the worst. <laughs> I will say, though, I love that character, though. Yeah. Um, silly Dillo for Smash. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Um, What's the name of the armadillo that people want in oh, Dylan? Dylan, yeah. Want in the game? What if they put Silly Dillo in instead? <laughs> See, let's talk about Silly Dillo for five seconds, because uh-huh. he's a fucking serial killer. <laughs> he's You go into his room, and it's framed. It's like a horror shot, because you can't see it. Yeah, he's got all the posters of Kirby. And, like, the dolls that he's made yeah. of Kirby hanging from and the he, ceiling. he dances with big ones that he throws at you. Yep, it's so fucking weird. And then he has, like, obviously the crazy eyes. Yeah. Because he's silly. Yeah. Silly here <laughs> means... Fucked up. Which means it means mad. It means yes, he's insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Silly Dillo is the scariest character in the game <laughs> for sure. Uh, we barely missed Halloween on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was yesterday, but I did fight Silly Dillo for the first time yesterday. <laughs> so beware. You were spooked. I was scared. I was. I'm losing my mind. Uh, but Silly Dillo's fight isn't all that engaging. He kind of does a lot of the stuff where he's just like, they throw a projectile, you run around it and hit him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought both DDD fights were really cool. 
Yeah. Um, especially the first one as a spectacle when he gets the big fucking pillar and yeah. slams it down. It like makes the big shockwave. Uh, I thought that was great. And I actually think the final boss was reasonably challenging for a Kirby final boss. Which one? The the Morpho Knight or the oh no or the, the, the Neopet? The Neopet. Okay. Because like they'll like call in the fucking meteors yeah. that you have to run around from and they throw the light beams at you. It yeah. feels very like Dark Souls inspired, <laughs> kind of. Um yeah, no, I agree. Like the the late game story bosses were all pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um even Leon, I thought. <laughs> yeah, Leon Leon is good. I agree hallway leon is oh. not so good that's sh- that's just supposed to be like a classic escape sequence thing yeah it is wild though and i do like it conceptually as being a weird thing yeah so there's always that but and this is something i wanted to ask you about because i think i missed the tutorial for it and the dodge the, the dodge i d- i don't think it is tutorialized okay that's fascinating. I, yeah, I watched a review for it, and somebody mentioned that, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> uh, and then that was before I played the rest of the secret level, so I made use of it uh, towards the end. But I do not remember that being mentioned at all. Maybe we both missed it. It's possible they just don't tell you about it, but it is way too good. Yeah. It's got infinite invincibility frames, pretty much. If you dodge somewhere during the millennium <laughs> that the attack occurs, you will avoid it. And you go into slow motion, and I think if you hit B right after, you do like a special dodge attack. Mm. Uh, that made the bosses much worse <laughs> when I realized that you, just, you could just dodge everything. Uh, so... Oopsie Daisy, they made that a little bit too strong. Mm-hmm. Even just the regular guard is a little bit too strong because, like, you take very little damage from guarding attacks, mm-hmm. uh, even when they're like the big wind up ones, like Claw Barella. What was her name? I, Claw Claw Reline. Claw Reline. It's a very bad, not even play on words. <laughs> uh, has all of those moves. Just why I remember like, it. Fly through the air at you. And uh, you can just kind of block it. Yeah, I I uh, found her her illusion fight actually like really really good. I thought mm-hmm. or like satisfying to learn. Like as far as like a pattern recognition boss goes, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it's the uh, I think the first story boss that killed me mm-hmm. in the game. I I won't swear to that. I don't honestly remember, but. I remember being like, wow, this was actually, like... Challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I have to do it a second time. I actually did it three times, in fact, now that I'm thinking about it. Because I remember being like, wow, I died to the same attack. I haven't learned anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, good shit on that. Um, Do you have anything to say about Morpho Knight at all, or...? Like, the actual boss fight? Yeah. Um, I think it is much better than if they had made you do the final boss again, uh, because I thought that's what they were going to do, mm-hmm. because they'd just been repeating bosses up until then, but adding additional steps to them. And I do know that if I were to go through the, the post-game, for the listener's benefit, I literally beat 
the Morphone boss to get that credit sequence. An hour ago? About an hour ago. Uh, and so <laughs> it is a little different on mm-hmm. that. Um, I know that if I go and do the Coliseum fight, they do. there is a Phantom version of the final boss. Uh, so I was happy to see like something different, mm-hmm. but as for the fight itself, um, I thought it was it was surprisingly easy as compared to the actual final boss, and also even debatably compared to the lion that you fought right yeah. before. I ended up dying to him or her or whatever. I should have I shouldn't have said it was easy. Now you look, uh, now no, it makes but you look bad. It was just the endurance element. Is you had to do two fights before it. Uh so I had it down to like the last fourth of its health bar and died and I was like, "Well, the end. Kirby lost <laughs> and all uh that in yeah. The, the, universe the world plunged destroyed. into darkness. <laughs> Uh, I did not try it again. <laughs> I do have another... Uh, uh, well, this does lead to one other thing. I think the game uh, the game does something that I do like in terms of difficulty, right? Mm-hmm. And that is it makes opting into easier difficulties an option. Like, you are able to do that. So let me tell you why I beat it on my first try. Uh, uh, there's an item you can buy for 300 coins that just mm-hmm. doubles your health bar. Uh, and when you use it, it heals you to full as well. Right. So I did the lion fight, and then when I went into the Morpho fight, I used that thing, and then yeah. I beat him with, like, 175% <laughs> of my regular HP remaining. Yeah. So it was not a challenge. I just used it as a healing item. Uh, and I didn't have to deal with the endurance part of it because I had three health bars. Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, there you go. <laughs> it does make the item shop feel massively useless for most of the game, though, because you don't use it, really. Mm-hmm. I had one of the Kirby burgers in my inventory for, like, 90% of the game, and then I used it once when I was really low on health, and I mm-hmm. was like, oh, and it only healed, like, 30 points, and I was like... This isn't even the best one. Yeah. I've been carrying around like the baby version <laughs> of the food item for the whole game, and it just never came into play. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I would like the speed power up item mm-hmm. if I was like trying a run or something. But uh, as it was casually, I just never felt the need to for speed. Yeah. <laughs> same oh yeah i did buy that a health power up once but uh yeah i just used it randomly and then never went back for another one (laughs) but that's the way to beat uh anything in this game as far as i can tell yeah is have a double yoshi explosion in your pocket (laughs) at all times uh i guess the only thing i have left is um just like the upgrading of copy abilities we've kind of talked about it a little but um I thought it was like a really I don't know if other Kirby games have done this sort of thing. Um but uh I really liked it because it felt like it made the collectibles feel meaningful, like the currencies. Mm-hmm. Um like it was just something uh kind of similar to the purple coins in Mario Odyssey. Like they just are a reward that I wanted, so like I um always made sure to get the rare stones and the in as many coins as I could. So I, I just thought that was like Nothing amazing, but just well-implemented collectibles. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, and it kind of goes along with a lot of the other stuff that we've been talking about. Like, holistically, this game is very well designed in the way that you, like, it, it's it's one of those things where you, don't, it, you feel like you don't even really need to say it because it is like a Nintendo game. Yeah. They have, these are the basics where it's like the collectibles feed into the uh, the amount of content that the game has and then the content itself feeds into the gameplay loops etc etc and it, it, it's it's what makes the game kind of work and uh i agree it was interesting to have a currency in a kirby game that i actually gave a shit about yeah uh so i think it's done even better here than it normally is so. yeah i mean g- games fuck that sort of thing up a lot Nintendo like, as well, yeah. yeah I didn't like, mean to imply that. Even in, like, Zelda games, sometimes, like, rupees are completely and, useless. And by sometimes, you mean most Most times. of the times. Yeah. Even in Breath of the Wild, which is an open-world game with yeah. lots of shops to spend currency in, it never really got there. Yeah. Everyone always praised the Skyward Sword, but I couldn't figure yeah. out how to fly <laughs> with the, the kite I sails. Do, I do actually really like the bazaar in Skyward Sword. I think, like, taking that system and kind of combining it with, like, the weapon shop from A Link Between Worlds, like, some kind of combo between those ideas would be real real good. That would be a great plan, yeah. They should do that. <laughs> but this game is sort of like that, except after you buy something one time, you can just pick it up whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also an ability... There's a sleep ability if you eat oh, sleeping yeah. people that just makes you fall asleep. What's the point of that? Well, at first, nothing. There's a few places where they use it to, like, if you accidentally get sleep, mm-hmm. then it will kill you, and yeah. then you have to start a party. That happened over. to me in the very first places introduced, like in the beach level. Yeah. There's one there. I ate it. It killed me, and then I just made sure to kill those any time I saw them in the future and never used it again. Yeah. So that is the base sleep, and that's what it does. It's just there's, like, a gag, essentially. Yeah. I know there are a few, like... I remember there was a, a, one of the bonus objectives in one of the areas was to take a nap next to the pool. And mm. so if you go to the pool, you get one of those guys, you fall asleep, etc. It does heal you when you sleep. Um, so if you do have missing health and you eat the, that guy, you will heal off the damage, Mm -hmm. which is great. But it might kill you. But it could kill you, depending. Um, you can upgrade the sleep ability. Right. I did once, but I never tested it. Okay. That's the only, I think it only upgrades once to Mm. deep sleep. And when you use it, it full heals you and it gives you a speed boost for 200 seconds. Mm. Uh, and I would use it whenever I went to Waddle D Town, basically. I would go uh, in, I'd use it, and then I'd pick a new ability, and then I'd go out. Uh, so I used it, like, three times. <laughs> uh, I think it's cool. I think I like its implementation, mm. but I agree it's too easy to avoid for yeah, when they use what, it as a trap. I feel like that's actually an awful way to introduce the mechanic. <laughs> By, like, the first one that you encounter just kills you? Well, that's how they are 99% yeah. of the time in the yeah. in the base game. I just feel like, in turn, 99% of players will just never use that <laughs> at all. Well, I think you shouldn't use it, right? Like, because <laughs> it isn't a thing that you can, like, save. Yeah. You just have to use it right then and there. It's like a healing thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So, I don't know. I like sleep. I think sleep is, uh, it's the one player unfriendly decision that the game has. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like th- its novelty. I think also, it's when you do deep the... sleep, he does yeah. pull out a whole ass bed yeah. and sleeps in it, which is pretty good. I think it's just more of a communication thing. Well, it's hard to communicate when you sleep. Uh-huh. I ain't afraid of no sleep. <laughs> Kirby used sleep talk. One last thing, I suppose, mm-hmm. for for me. That we didn't talk about, but we did mention briefly offcast, and that is the music. Oh yeah, uh, Kirby is a game that has an established soundtrack, like a lot of the, uh, the like series do, where you're always c- going to come back to that song, and those songs, and these fanfares and shit mm-hmm. that are in every game. Yeah, their main themes and all that. Yeah, this game does that and it's good in the way that that is good when it is Mm -hmm. um but it has original tracks as well and we both kind of keyed in that it was not reminding us of a kirby song it was definitely reminding us of music from other games like it felt very inspired we'll say Mm -hmm. and i don't really know what was up with that it it didn't I didn't dislike it, but I felt like none of the new things were really, uh, like they didn't get stuck in my head and they weren't like big themes that I'm going to remember later. Yeah. I, um, I don't, I have not played other Kirby games as, as has been established. Uh-huh. Uh, so I don't know what was new and what was old, uh, but it all felt pretty cohesive to me. Um, and I don't know. I, I kind of liked that it felt like something different, um, I kind of wish they would do that sort of thing more often. Like, kind of try and shake up um, in all aspects, not just music. Like, you know, right. like all these games always, all Nintendo games always use the same enemies every time. And so I, I welcome them doing something different uh, with the music. And I don't know. I, I don't know. I liked it. It, But you did bring up initially, and this is what we talked about off cast like it does remind me of something but i cannot put my finger on what it is and you're probably correct that it is just pulling from like a couple it's reminding me of several things and that's why i can't uh hone in on it but it does like it's like an uncanny feeling almost you're like what what does this remind me (laughs) yeah i uh i honed in on for me my meets 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 was like a pokemon or a uh, Final Fantasy. Like, those are what it felt like mm. at certain times. Uh, there was just, like, a more... It felt less whimsical mm. and more, like, grandiose, I want to say. Yeah. It felt a little bit more like like Mario galaxy maybe, to me. That's a good pull, I think. Um, yeah, like, it had, That's like... third meets. It had, like, Gusty Garden galaxy energy to me. Which all comes back to fucking Wispy Woods and uh, Kirby and yeah. the Game Boy. We figured it all out. This is actually going to drive me fucking up the wall. There's a an F term that they use in-game to describe things. And it's like f- Fogor? Oh, Forgo. Oh, it's Forgo. Yeah, because it's like the Forgotten Lands. Oh, yeah, okay, like Forgo. Yeah. So there it is. That's our. Those are our thoughts. 
Our forgotten thoughts. Our, or our, our forego thoughts. thoughts. We gotta use the in-game yeah. term. Uh, so, my forego thoughts. Wait, are... wait, 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 hold on. Do we have <laughs> forego thoughts? Uh, my forego thoughts are, uh, yeah, so I guess Kirby is a character, I think, like a lot of people, I think is cute and always liked him in Smash Brothers. Um, but when I tried to, like, play Kirby games, they never really clicked with me. Um, and I was excited when I saw the trailer for this game because it looked more up my alley um, in pretty much every way. Uh, and I was a bit disappointed because I thought it might be a little bit more of like a full-on 3D platformer and it ended up not being. Um, but not holding that against the game. Like What this game actually is is still pretty good. Um, I, I like that it's like... Corridor platformers, I think, are kind of a mixed bag. Um, and this, I think, is a really good example of one. Um, it, it's it's really well designed. It's really creative. It's really clever. Um, and I really like that it has, like, a hub town that ties it all together. I think that adds a lot. Um, and I, I wish Nintendo would do stuff like this a little more often. Um, like, you brought up Yoshi earlier. Like, Yoshi's another game that only ever gets, like, 2D side-scrollers. Yeah. It'd be cool to do a, something a little bit more with Yoshi or, like, with Donkey Kong or, you know, they've got all these IPs. So I liked that they did something a bit different with Kirby, something that felt a little bit more exciting and new. Um, and, yeah, I, it's, I think, kind of a thesis that we started hitting at is, like, this game is just like really kind of solidly designed as Nintendo games are. Um, like it feels very like a video games video game. You know, it's got a lot of like classic kind of mechanics. They're executed in classic ways. You know, like it all feels very familiar. Um, but I do think it elevates it all with like creativity. Um, there's like a lot of cool like visual design and like just very polished. It's got that Nintendo polish um, that makes it pop or stand out or uh above like some of its contemporaries maybe um so yeah this is like a very pleasant experience that was a little bit disappointing on a personal level but like it doesn't really matter um mm -hmm. this is it i i like this a lot so definitely my favorite kirby game <laughs> there it is um oh god that's a hard that's actually tough because i don't think i could put this above Kirby's Dreamland, like the one thing that's in competition with for you, mm -hmm. because of how much I've played that one game. Uh, but anyway, I'll think about that and get back to us. Uh, I'll get back. We will get back to all of you in the top ten Kirby's games on YouTube. Number one, number one, <laughs> Burger King Foot Kirby. Um. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, my final thoughts for this are very similar to yours, I think. I, I, it's a game that is very polished, and it, it, we obviously give our experiences on these games. We talk about how we played them and how they affected us. Um, but I don't even—I don't necessarily even think that's really the the way the the lens that we should take this particular game because if we do, 
Yeah, it was a game that we sat down, and it was probably pretty relaxing. It's a good mental health game. It keeps you sort of grounded and just sitting there and paying attention to something. Uh, and that's always positive. But the game is very simple. Um, and I don't know. I, I like games that are challenging and games that are, are difficult and whatever. And this game to be like a big departure from, from what I've been playing recently is something that is very appreciated i'll say uh and i like kirby just generally like i got this game when it came out because i'm a fan of the franchise so um as far as games go as a whole i feel like it would it would not be something that i recommend to everyone i think this is a game it says everyone right in the box i don't agree uh this is definitely a game for people who are fans of kirby and if you are a fan of Kirby from a long time ago and haven't played because they've been releasing a ton of games and you're like, what the fuck is a RoboBot? I don't even know. I've missed a lot of stuff. This, I think, is a good game to get back in on as well uh, because it does a lot that is... It feels very put well put together uh, and the gimmick fits well into the rest of the game. But if you are like me... And played the previous Kirby game, you're going to have that situation where, like, halfway through the game, you're going to feel like it drags. And you got to get pushed through to the end before you get something that really engages you again. Um, but it does that pretty well. So, I think for people who haven't played Kirby in a while, people who are just going to play every Kirby game, children in the pretty good motor skills range, and... People who are willing to push through a lot of, of easy game to get to something that's, like, kind of challenging, those people I would recommend this game to. Because it is very beautiful, and it is fun to be there, and I liked it. So, uh, there we go. Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably like the third time that we've put it on the uh, on like the is this what we're doing next time mm -hmm. and then went no nah, 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 nah. we'll do a different one. Yeah. Cuz this one's long. Yeah, I bought the Twilight Princess HD when it came out mm -hmm. and have not played it <laughs> at all and have been wanting to for a long time. So, I in fact, I think if you go on my phone and scroll back in my camera roll to mm -hmm. the very beginning one of in like the first four rows is twilight princess hd the name of the horse screen oh yeah i think i was there for that you were there for that and i i remember, i see that all the time and i'm like man i never went back i named the horse and then i basically like fucking got out of there <laughs> yeah i think i was on like the second dungeon or something regardless we both played the original uh, and we realized that we hadn't done a, a Zelda this year. So we're taking this one on and we play Kirby to give us a little more time. And then Kirby ended up taking longer. So we may be a little late on that one, but we'll find out. Yeah, making this Nintendo-vember. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so catch it next time, Twilight Princess. Until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com. 
or in Splatterchat.pro. There you can find links to our email address, our Twitter account, our Discord, where you can suggest games for us to play. Uh, so we're not playing yet another Zelda game. Boring, am I right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> or head over to the YouTube channel, which has all of our old episodes, uh, including episodes on Kirby's Dreamland and on Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Uh, 3D World and Sly Cooper. And Earthbound, which I think is a... I think Hal Laboratories oh. had something to do with that game. Isn't it Ape Inc.? It is Ape Inc., but Satoru Iwata... Who yeah, worked he at did. Hal? Yeah, did a bunch of programming on it. I don't know. <laughs> Look at the history of Earthbound because like a lot of people have talked Mr. about Saturn it. Mr. Saturn looks a little bit like Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Saturn is like Kirby as an adult with a nose. Yeah, with a nose and like three hair left. I think Kirby has hair. I don't think he does. I God, I hope not. But you would know more about Kirby than I would. So. <laughs> Inhale that like button. Mm. Inhale that subscribe button. And inhale all the comments down in the comment section. Oh. Get a mouthful of comments. Get a mouth- <laughs> Give them a mouthful in the comments section. <laughs>